campus, we've uh, been looking through elements about different subjects that the Bible uh, talks about. And uh, this week we're in our fifth week, and we're going to look at an element of uh, baptism. And I think it's important because there is a, yes, there is a physical side of baptism. You know, when you see somebody actually going into the water um, and coming up out of the water. But there's a spiritual side to it. And um, I think for us, in order to understand what baptism is and how it plays in the life of a believer, um, when we look at God's word, uh, we see that God places an importance on that of knowing how that spiritual baptism works in our own life. And I think it's important uh, for that. So this morning, I really kind of hope to maybe answer any misconceptions that we might have about baptism. Um, A lot of people have a lot of different opinions about baptism. But this is what I have found what is so important. Um, Rather than, you know, relying upon our past experiences, opinions, um, maybe even uh, just our own uh, ideas or, or what we think, we have to kind of set those aside and we have to come to God's word and we got to say, what does God's word say about it? And I find myself included that many times Christians sometimes um, put their opinions, their ideas, their uh, life experiences, and they place those over God's word. They rely more upon those than on God's word. And it's important to understand that when we do that, um, what we're doing is we're saying, you know what, my life experiences are more important than God's word. Or we say, my opinions are more important. One thing that you must understand as a believer in Christ is you never change the word of God to match your opinion. The word of God should change you. To come into alignment with it. So this morning as we look at baptism. I hope that if you've had some ideas. And some things of what you may have thought about baptism. This is all I'm asking you to do this morning. So I just want you to just take those. And just set those aside here this morning. And then look at God's word. And say Lord would you please speak to me. Show me what your word has to say about baptism. And I think that's really what um, Paul's prayer was to the church at Ephesus, as he says here. And this has kind of been our prayer for this whole series. Uh, Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come uh, to you now at this time, and we're going to look into your word about baptism, about what it says. Um, There's a lot of scriptures dealing with baptism, and you've placed those in there for a reason, because you want us to know what your word says. Um, Lord, we know that no scripture is given by any private interpretation. Um, We know that all of scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that we, as your children, might be perfect, so that we might know the word, and we might know how to handle the word. And I pray, Lord, that as we look into your word this morning about baptism, that you speak to our hearts, reveal to us um, what you want us to know about how important baptism is and how it plays in the life of the believer. 
We're so thankful for your love for us. And thank you for just how you've worked in our life over the past week and how you've done many things in people's hearts and lives. And I pray, Lord, that you help those that are here this morning that are struggling. Help those that are um, having doubts or having um, issues of life in their heart that's at turmoil, that is just seems to be ripping their life apart. God, I pray that you help them and give them strength, give them understanding of your word, and help them to trust in you. We thank you, we love you, we ask all this in your name. Amen. So let's take a look here at baptism, and uh, we'll look at a few verses here, and I have quite a few, so we're not, I'm not going to have all of them up on the screen here, um, but we'll, we'll take a look at uh, baptism and, and what it has to say. Um, the very first instance what we find about baptism is found here in Matthew chapter uh, number 3, and we see here verse number 6, talking about Jesus, it says, uh, and we're baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. So here's John the Baptist, and he is out in the wilderness, and he is preaching, and he is preaching what? Repentance. And he's saying, listen, you need to come, and you need to confess your sins, and you need to be baptized. So why was John baptizing? Well, it tells us here a few of the things. It says that um, he was baptizing them for confessing their sins, but in Matthew chapter 3, 11... It says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. So Matthew is making it very plain and clear as he writes about baptism here, about what John was doing as he was baptizing. He was saying that these people are being baptized for what? For the repentance of their sins. So in other words, the baptism that they were doing was, I guess in a way, showing that they have repented from their sins. And uh, Matthew makes it uh, very clear about this because as he's talking, there is a group of people around and they're Pharisees and they're looking at what John is doing and they're saying, you know what? We don't need baptism because we have Abraham, our father. In other words, these Pharisees were saying, you know what? We don't need repentance in our life. Because we're of the Jewish heritage, we're children of Abraham, uh, we're children of God already, and we don't need repentance in our life because we have, I guess, kind of like a, a pedigree behind our name. And we don't need this, this baptism, we don't need to uh, repent of our sins. And so John makes it clear that his baptism is for repentance, for people wanting to identify with the coming Messiah. And their, baptize, their baptism was identifying them not with their Jewishness, not their pedigree, but to be identified with repentance, to be identified with Christ. And can I tell you uh, this morning, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, um, the only way that you'll ever come into a relationship with God is that you have to repent of your sin and you have to turn to Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. And so it's not the fact of one day you just wake up and, oh, wow, I'm a Christian now. No, there it comes a time in your life when you turn from your sin and you turn to Christ. And these people here, they were coming to John to be baptized because there was a time that they turned from their sin and now they were confessing that they were repenting and they were doing that uh, through baptism. 
Let me show you another verse here. Notice what he says here uh, about these. He says, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. That was kind of a slam uh, to the Pharisees there, that thinking that they had all this stuff that they could trust in besides uh, God, to trust in besides uh, forgiveness of their sins. And uh, John is basically saying, look, God is able to take these stones and raise them up. And so we conclude here that from these very first few verses, that baptism is for those who wish to identify with repentance. Um, you know, I know that maybe you've may had a church background, uh, maybe been in several different churches, and maybe people have placed an importance on baptism for regeneration. And the, for, and the fact of saying that, okay, uh, if you just get baptized, then you'll go to heaven, or if you do this, you'll go to heaven. But in reality here, those that repent, then they want to be identified with that repentance by being baptized. So baptism is essentially only for those who know Christ, who know the Lord, who have repented from their sins. So baptism always comes after uh, our repentance from our sins. It comes after salvation. Let's look at a few other verses here about uh, what the Bible says about baptism. We find out that baptism is very important. Uh, here in uh, Matthew chapter number 3, verse number 16, same scenario that we got going on. John's baptizing, and look who shows up. Uh, Jesus shows up on the scene and says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Now, even though Christ's baptism uh, carried a different meaning because he was there to fulfill all righteousness, okay? Christ didn't have to be baptized because he was repenting of any sin because Christ was sinless. But Christ was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And even though it carried a different meaning, we still find that the Lord placed an emphasis on baptism because he was baptized, and so he gave us a model. He gave us an example to follow to be baptized. Here's another verse that we find. Uh, Christ commanded that people to be baptized in this age. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And for lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, until the end of the world. So Christ placed an emphasis on baptism that after we preach the gospel to people and those people come to a saving faith in Christ, that we are to baptize them. It's important uh, to understand that. So we are to baptize those who become followers of Jesus. Here's another few verses here. We're not going to look at all of these, but uh, if you go through the book of Acts, the early church gave an important place to baptism. You find when uh, Peter is, stands up on the day of Pentecost, he's preaching. He's preaching Christ. It says that, as, and added unto the church that day was 3,000 souls. And it says that they were baptized. And you go through the book of Acts. People, when they came to a saving knowledge of Christ, they were baptized. They, they followed the Lord in that baptism. So throughout the early church, baptism played a very important role to the function 
of the church. Now, this is kind of all background to understand that the Bible does talk about baptism. The Bible places an emphasis on baptism. But what I really want to hone in on is the fact of why is baptism important? I mean, other than the fact that Jesus, yeah, he was baptized, but what role does that baptism uh, play in our life? Well, let's look at a few verses here about that. So I want to give you two aspects of baptism. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we see a physical baptism, a water baptism, okay? And then we also see that the Bible uses that word baptism, but in a spiritual sense. In other words... Uh, There is something spiritually that happens when we are baptized. And I'll give you that in the fact of being baptized into the body of Christ. So the New Testament uses baptism to symbolize some very important truths. And in order for us to understand this, we need to understand what is baptism. What is baptism? Well, here's the word. Uh, The word baptism is the word baptizo, and it means to immerse. To immerse. Now, every single time that we find that word baptize used in scripture, it's never used in the sense to pour or to sprinkle. It's always used in the sense to immerse, to completely be covered, to literally, I mean, kind of like be dumped, okay? Um, So that word baptize means to immerse completely, fully. Never in Scripture do you find the word baptized meaning to pour or to sprinkle. I mean, think about this. Here's John, and he was in the River Jordan. And what was he doing? He was immersing people. Now, if John wanted to sprinkle people, wouldn't it have been easier for him just to do it as kitchen sink? Hey, come on over to my house. I'll get you a bowl of water. We'll just pour it right on your head. No, he was in the River Jordan, and what was he doing? He was immersing people for their repentance of their sins. So every instance that we find the word baptize, it's used in the sense of being to be immersed. And immersion always best pictures the significance of baptism, meaning the fact of Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. I mean, can you imagine uh, going to a funeral and uh, you saying, okay, we're going to bury this person. We're going to immerse them in the ground and we just sprinkle a little bit of dirt That really doesn't picture a burial. Christ was completely immersed. So immersion best pictures the significance of baptism in which the death to the old man and the resurrection to the new life. Listen to what Romans chapter 6 verse number 4 has to say. It says, therefore we are buried with him by baptism, immersion, into death. That like as Christ was raised into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So baptism is an outward physical symbol of an inward spiritual decision. So when we look at baptism, the baptism is a physical Outward showing of what has already taken place inwardly inside the heart. That water that's there that a person stands in, it has no saving power. It has no magical power. All it is is a symbol. You fill up that water just as you would with a garden hose as you do your pool or wherever else. Okay, 
That water symbolizes us, what has already taken place in our heart, that we were baptized into the death of Christ. And so what are we doing when we, when we, when we baptize others or when we get baptized? As we're showing to other people, we're saying, I have been baptized into Christ's death. I was buried into his, into his burial, into his death. And I have been raised now to walk in newness of life. And so that outward expression is just a symbol of that inward spiritual decision. So nowhere in scripture does it suggest that people are justified, that we are made right with God, or sins are washed away by the physical water baptism. What is the only thing that can wash away sins? We just sang about it here this morning, the first song, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. And so when we are baptized into his death, that salvation happens inside of our heart. And then we show to everyone, we say, look, I have been baptized into Christ's death and I'm giving you a public example of that by being baptized in water as a, as a physical symbol of that. So here are just a few things that, that physical water baptism uh, symbolizes. Look at what it says here. Um, we already looked at uh, Romans uh, six four about being baptized in that way. But listen to what Romans six three says. It says, "Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death?" So it signifies our union with God through Christ's death, His burial, and resurrection. And so, what are we doing when we choose to be baptized? Physically, in front of people, we are choosing to say, hey, I am willing to symbolize myself with Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so we're proclaiming to everybody, hey, this is, I am choosing to be uh, associated with this just as much as when John was baptizing. They were being chosen to be associated with repentance of their sins by being baptized. Here's another one. It is a public declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that the, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So our public declaration that we have trusted Christ, is that physical, outward symbol of baptism. Here's another verse. Baptism identifies us with our spiritual family, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 13 says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so when we publicly, symbolically stand in water and we are baptized, we are saying, I am choosing to identify with the body of Christ. And so that is declaring to everyone that we have chosen Christ. You know, it's interesting that as the church has moved through the ages, um, I'm thankful that in here we don't have a baptismal. Primarily because... What the church was supposed to be doing, it was supposed to be declaring that publicly with anyone and everyone. 
Um, I went to a uh, church in New Mexico, and it was out on the reservation there. And we actually had a baptismal service after, after church. We went out to a lake out there. We, we ate all kinds of tasty New Mexican goodies. And then we actually had a baptismal service. And there was people out there fishing and everything. And what was that doing? That was declaring to people, hey, these people have chosen to follow Christ. And they are choosing to be identified with this, this, with this church, with the body of Christ. And so I'm thankful that we don't have a baptismal here. Because I think we need to be declaring that publicly with a lost world. The people are being baptized and they are identifying with Christ. Here's another one. Notice what we find here. It symbolizes our death of our old sinful nature and the birth of our new nature in Christ. Colossians chapter 2 verse number 12. It says, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Who raised him from the dead. And so when we choose to symbolize ourselves physically with that outward expression of baptism. We are choosing to symbolize that and saying listen. I'm willing to identify myself saying that I have died to my old sinful nature. And I have, a, I have been birthed into a new nature with Christ. And this baptism, this outward expression, shows that I've identified with that. Now, when we're talking about baptism, sometimes some questions come up. For example, do you have to be baptized in order to be saved? Well, Acts chapter number 2, verse number 38, is usually the main verse offered for this teaching. And uh, let's turn over there. Let's look at it real quick. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38 And what I mean by this, in other words, that after you come to faith in Christ, if you never get baptized, will you still go to heaven? Listen to what Acts chapter 2 verse number 38 says about this. He says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you look at a verse like that, it almost sounds like what Peter's saying, that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. Now, does Scripture teach that? What about the thief on the cross? He didn't have time to get baptized, did he? And what did Jesus say to him? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. It's always important when you look at a verse of scripture, something like that, that we're careful never to pull it, rip it right out of its whole context. Because if we do that, we can easily take one verse out and we can build an entire doctrine just based off of just one verse like that. So it's important to look at the surrounding context. And what is the context of this? Here's Peter. He's up and he's speaking and he's preaching. What is he preaching? Jesus Christ. And it says that the people, they heard about Christ, and it says they were cut to the heart. (laughs) They realized, hey, man, there's something serious about this. They were cut to the heart, and Peter basically says, repent. That's what he's calling for them, to repent. And then, after you repent, you need to identify with Jesus Christ by being baptized. 
And so these people here, it says that they were baptized, they repented, and they received Christ. And listen to what it says in verse number 41. It says, so those who received his word first, those who received his word were then baptized, and they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Well, then what about in the verse of Mark chapter 16, verse number 16? Let's turn over there. Mark 16, verse number 16. Mark 16, verse number 16. Here is Christ. He is giving the great commission. And he says this. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Again, that verse, it, I mean, it pretty much sounds like what Jesus is saying is that you have to be baptized after you're saved in order to basically have a relationship with him. But notice what he says in verse number uh, seven, or excuse me, verse number 16. Towards the end, he says, but whoever does not believe, he doesn't say whoever is not believed and not baptized. He says whoever is, does not believe, he says that person will be condemned. But then what about 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 21? I think this is a really good verse. Um, let's turn over there. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 21. Peter says this, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Uh-oh, we're in trouble now. I mean, that's pretty plain and clear is what Scripture's saying. Baptism says right here, Peter's saying, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, it's so important that we don't take that verse out of context and we look at what Peter is talking about. You say, what is Peter talking about? Well, you just back up just a few verses and notice what he says in verse number 18. He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. And you say, why is that important? Well, because what is Peter talking about? He's talking about salvation that is in Christ. And then he gives us an example of this, and he talks about Noah. Now, how long was Noah building the ark for? 120 years. So the whole time we find in scripture that it tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And so there he is, he's sawing away, he's hammering away, he's building this ark, and he's saying, this is the only thing that is going to save you from the floodwaters. So what saved them, what brought them safely through the floodwaters? The ark did. You had to be in the ark, right? Well, here, Peter is giving us an example. He's saying, look, here's the ark that saved people. Likewise, baptism, not water baptism. What are we talking about? 
spiritual baptism. In Christ is the only thing that will save you. You have to be in Christ in order to be saved. Not in a church, not in a club, not in the choir. You have to be in Christ in order to be saved. So he makes a very very clear argument here that baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body physically, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we all can agree that baptism is, is an important thing that we find in Scripture. But is it necessary for salvation? Well, the New Testament makes it equally clear that men can become saved as Christians prior to receiving water baptism. In the book of Acts, chapter number 10, Cornelius' family hears about Christ and they are saved. They hear about Christ and there's no baptism until later on. So, God's word is very clear. If you want the verses here, it's uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. And in verse number 48, Peter commands them to be baptized. And this is after, after they have received Christ. And so baptism is expected after a person receives Christ, but it's not the thing that makes a person saved. Listen to what Paul says about baptism and how important it was in his ministry. He says in 1 Corinthians 1.17, Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So that's the physical side of baptism. So physically, baptism represents basically us, something that has already taken place inside of our heart. Jesus saved us. He put us into the body of Christ. And we are publicly declaring that with people. A good illustration I always like to give to people is on my uh, left hand here, I have a what on my ring finger? A wedding ring, right? Now, does this, red, does this wedding ring make me married? No. Did the ceremony make me married? No. What actually makes me married? How many people are in here married? Okay, what makes you married? The covenant, right, that you made with that person, you made with God. You say, I'm going to do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do that, okay? It's not the flowers, it's not the pastor, it's not all the glamour of it, it's not the pictures. What makes us married is our commitment to one another. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and wife, his mother and father, and should cleave unto his wife, okay? So there is a picture of that. By saying, hey, here's this ring showing that I am married. I can take this ring off. I'm still married, right? I am. My wife might not like that. But it still says that I'm married, okay? Baptism is a picture. It's a symbol showing others what has already taken place inside of our heart. Let's look at the second part of this about baptizing. And this is the spiritual aspect. And I think this is real important for us that know Christ is our Savior... That we learn how to apply this to our life because this really is what gives us the 
um, I guess, the power to live the Christian life. Okay, So with that idea about baptizing, meaning to immerse, this is the spiritual side of baptism. Okay, So baptism, secondly, teaches us how to live in Christ. When a person trusts Christ, they are baptized into his body. As we saw in 1 Corinthians number 12, it says that we're put into that body of Christ by that baptism, by that spiritual baptism, we're baptized into the body of Christ. And so there are some very important truths that I think we should learn how to apply to our life about baptism and what it means for us and how we can live the Christian life. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm human. Anybody else in here human? Right? Okay. All right. Because we are human, um, we have a tendency... To default back to our old sinful nature. And that old sinful nature is horrible. He's an old man. Sometimes he comes out and likes to control us. He wants to cause us to say things, do things, think things. And he's a horrible, horrible person to have around. And so how does this correspond with baptism? Well, here's the, here's the spiritual uh, side about this, right? So here's the first thing. First of all, it gives us a pattern of obedience. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Um, I cannot stress this enough. The baptism teaches us obedience. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. So Jesus is simply saying, In order to fulfill all righteousness, I will be obedient to what God desires. And so if I'm going to live as a man, Jesus is saying, If I'm going to live as a man, then I'm going to obey all of the commands. So in submitting, when Jesus submitted to baptism, Jesus is showing us how critical obedience is in the life of a believer. And it was so critical to his life that he did it, that he submitted to that baptism. Now, even though there was no need for Jesus to be baptized, he still did it. Why? Because he wanted to be obedient in all things, to fulfill all righteousness. And isn't that what the Christian life is about? Obedience? How many remember the song, Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe, right? Remember that one? Okay. If you don't know it, we'll get you a copy of it. You can sing it on your way home. Um, But baptism gives us an example and shows us how important it is to be obedient. So if Christ is willing to be obedient in all things, and if I say, hey, I want to identify with Christ... I want want to follow the Lord. Then we too have to be obedient in all things. That means we take his word seriously. That means we apply his word to our life. That means we are going to live by his word. We're going to obey his word. Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. So baptism is, I guess, kind of the very first step showing that we are obedient. I'm somewhat amazed sometimes of people who desire and want to follow Christ, 
They've been saved. They know Christ is their Savior. But they're not willing to be obedient to Him in the very first step and follow Him in baptism as He has commanded, saying, teaching everybody and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's important to understand about baptism. Here's the second thing about baptism teaches how to live in Christ, that we are no longer enslaved in sin. Let's turn over to the book of Romans, chapter number 6, because I really want to highlight a few things here for you. Romans chapter number 6. How many of you in here struggle with sin? All of us. One of the things that I have learned in ministry is that um, as believers in Christ, that when we even come to a meeting like this, that there are people that... Just this past week, just this past week, um, they have done something. They have said something. They have thought about something. Um, They've been engaged in something that was not righteous. And so all of us in here, we struggle with sin. All of us do. So baptism teaches us that we are no longer enslaved by sin. This is what Romans chapter number 6. Let's look at these verses. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1, says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, immersed into Christ Jesus were immersed, baptized into his death? For we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him For we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So when we're talking about a spiritual side of baptism, if we're going to apply this to our life, we have to understand, if I know Christ as my Savior, I have been baptized, I have been immersed into his death. And the Bible here tells me that I am to no longer be enslaved to sin. So why are we enslaved to sin then? I believe it's because we do not take the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ seriously in our own life. We get saved, we know Christ, and we're like, okay, man, this is great, everything's wonderful. And then what do we do? We put on a facade that everything in our life has to be perfect. We live this life of saying, hey, my life is great. 
And so we do not live according to the word of God. And we are enslaved in our sins. Because we do not reckon our bodies, we do not reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. We don't have to live that way. You don't have to live in sin. I don't have to live in sin. Why? Because I've been set free from that. But this is what we do. We go through our lives and we partake in those sinful things. And we willingly, willingly put the cuffs back on. We willingly put the shackles on. We willingly walk into the prison door, shut it, lock it, and toss out the key. And God says, why are you doing this? You do not have to be enslaved to sin. You know, when we have funerals here, they bring a body here and there's a casket here. And that body's laying in the casket. Did you know I could go up to that body and I could shout out it? I could scream at it. I could try offering that body food. But what does that body do? Nothing. It just lays there. It's dead. The Bible says, Likewise, reckon yourselves also to be dead to sin. Why? Because Christ has set us free from sin. We don't have to be in bondage to sin any longer. Because we've been set free. Because we have been baptized into his death. Let that get a hold of you. Let that transform your life and your heart. That you don't have to be enslaved to it. Notice what Paul goes on to this. And look what he says here. Look what he says in verse number 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. And that's exactly what sin does. It reigns in our body and we we go to it. We say, okay, I will obey you. I have no other choice. You do have a choice. It's called you have been set free from Christ. You have been set free from that sin because of Christ's death and his burial and his resurrection. You have a new man that lives inside of you. How do I beat it? How do I beat that, that sin nature? Listen to what he says here. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse number 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of, for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. So when we have been baptized in the body of Christ, it gives us new hope to live this life without being in bondage, enslaved to sin. You have that victory. I have that victory. It's living inside of us. If you know Christ, we don't have to be brought under that dominion of sin. Some other translations read, it says, mortify your members. This one says, present your members. I like that idea about mortifying your members. We get the word mortician. Somebody who works with dead bodies, okay? Mortify, put them to death. Jesus said this very simply. He said, look, he says, if your hand offends you, what are you supposed to do? Oh, you nice little hand. Oh, you're great. I love you. Now, what does he say to do? 
cut it off. He says, it's better for you to enter into heaven with one hand than to have both hands cast into hellfire. He says, if your eye is offending you, oh man, I love my eye. Oh, great. No, what does he say to do? Pluck it out. Rip it right out. Just rip it right out. I think many of the times the reason why we are enslaved to sin is because we are not willing to take serious action against it. If you're struggling with something in your life, you have to say, "Is this? am I enslaved to this? Yes. Do I want this in my life? No. You need to take serious action and get rid of it. Take it out. Get rid of it. Because you don't want to be enslaved to that. And you don't present your bodies. So we are no longer enslaved to sin. So baptism teaches us how to live in Christ. That we don't need to be longer enslaved to sin. Here's the next one. I love this one. We are clothed in his righteousness. Oh man, this is, this is amazing. Listen to what Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 says. He says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ... The day that we trusted Christ, we were baptized into him. We were baptized into his death, his burial, his resurrection. And we have been completely immersed in him. So he says, for as many as you were baptized into Christ, this is what he says, you have put on Christ. The Bible talks about Christ's righteousness as being a robe, it talks about it as being a garment. It talks about it being a garment that's, that's down to the floor. We have been robed in Christ's righteousness if we have been baptized into Christ. You know what we had before we had his righteousness? <laughs> we had rags. <laughs> that's what we had. Did you ever see anybody wearing rags before? Christ took our rags and he gave us his robe of righteousness. Why? Because we were baptized into his body. We've been baptized into that. And so that just gives me great encouragement to know that I can live the Christian life. I'm not condemned by sin because I have his righteousness. I can live free Without the dominion of sin. Because I've been baptized in his death and his burial and his resurrection. And I am to walk in newness of life. All of that Christ has given us through baptism. So where are you this morning on that? On your spiritual journey, where are you? Are you maybe over here where you've never trusted Christ? You've never received Christ as your Savior? First thing for you, what you need to do is you need to repent of your sin. And you need to be baptized spiritually into his body. Or maybe you're over here where you know Christ is your Savior. And yeah, you know, I know I'm, I, I know I'm a Christian, I know Christ. But am I allowing the power, the, the reality of baptism to take root in my heart? That I don't have to be enslaved into sin. I can live an obedient life to Christ. And I've been clothed with his righteousness. I don't know where you are on that spiritual spectrum today. But God wants to do something in your life and in your heart. What do we have to do? It's just a matter of yielding to him, surrendering to him, saying, Lord, what do you want from me?
Lord, you speak to my heart. You show me in your word what you want me to do. Let's pray together.